You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. Spanning the continent to bring you the truth about cannabis and marijuana law reform. I smoke pot and I like it a lot. The Russ Belleville Show. The voice of the marijuana nation. It's like marijuana ought to be legalized. Good people smoke marijuana. Now, here's your host, Radical Russ Belleville. Good day, tokers and toquettes and non-toking lovers of liberty. It is Friday, February 10th, 2017, and it's got to be 420 somewhere in the world. It's episode number 887, and coming up on the show today, we've got the latest marijuana sales figures from the state of Colorado. In the Cannabis Focus, we take a look at cannabis use in the workplace in the era of marijuana legalization. My guest today for the activist agenda is Virginia cerebral palsy patient and medical marijuana advocate Creed Leffler. We've got a special new album offer for all of you fans of the awesome 80s. And for today's rant, I'll go off on President Trump's new executive orders to crack down on a crime wave that, like his approval ratings, is plummeting day by day. Plus, at hour two, we'll tell you all about the pot squatch in Massachusetts. But first, let's get to the marijuana headlines. Covering the latest headlines in consumer cannabis, medical marijuana, and industrial hemp. Now your marijuana headlines in 4 minutes and 20 seconds. This is Cannabis News. This is your Cannabis News for Friday, February 10th, 2017. In 2016, Colorado's dispensaries bagged $1.3 billion in recreational and medical cannabis sales based on Colorado Department of Revenue tax data released Thursday. To put the state's third year of regulated recreational marijuana sales in perspective, Year one totaled $699.2 million, combined with medical sales, and year two jumped up to $996.2 million. 2016 was the year in which the $100 million month became a baseline and heralded a record-breaking summer. The combined sales for July, August, and September were $376.6 million. Monthly sales topped $100 million in eight of the 12 months. In December, which is typically a strong month for cannabis transactions, pot shop sales were a little more than $114.7 million recorded in December 2015. Colorado brought in $199 million in taxes and fees revenue for the calendar year. Marijuana tax revenue is put toward areas such as school construction projects, public health, and law enforcement. Alaska marijuana regulators raided several retail pot shops that appear to be selling oil made from marijuana plants in violation of state law. The Alaska Alcohol and Marijuana Control Office, in a Thursday release, said enforcement officers seized items from several stores in the state that contained cannabidiol oil and appeared to be offered for sale. Cannabidiol is non-psychoactive, but the office says such oils fall outside the scope of current state law. The office declined to provide further specifics, citing an ongoing investigation. It says further details will be released as they become available to ensure licensees and the public know what the law requires for selling marijuana products. Kerry Kerrigan, executive director of the Alaska Marijuana Industry Association, said he was trying to get more information about what happened. Oregon is rolling out another first in the recreational marijuana industry. Customers may now order pot from licensed retailers and have it delivered directly to their homes. 
The Oregon Liquor Control Commission has granted delivery permits to 117 retailers across Oregon, including 13 in Portland last year, but postponed their permission until last month. Hawaii has given the green light to add a third dispensary to begin acquiring and growing marijuana. Oahu-based Manoa Botanicals got the State Department of Health's permission on Thursday. Aloha Green Holdings Incorporated of Oahu and Maui Grown Therapies are the only other businesses that have received state approval for cultivation out of the state's eight licensed dispensaries. The approvals allow the dispensaries to acquire and grow marijuana seeds, clones, and plants. The dispensaries may provide marijuana and marijuana products to patients registered with the department. The state legislature legalized medical marijuana dispensaries in 2015. But until last month, the state lacked a federally required software system to track the product from seed to sale. Before retail sales can begin, the health department must still test the marijuana products and connect patient registries to the tracking system. An Arkansas State Senate committee has advanced legislation that would leave the decision on whether to allow licensed medical marijuana dispensaries to grow their own pot up to a state commission. The Senate Public Health, Welfare, and Labor Committee on Thursday endorsed the proposal to let the Medical Marijuana Commission decide whether dispensaries that sell the drug can also grow it. An amendment voters approved last year legalizing medical marijuana allows licensed dispensaries and cultivation facilities to grow marijuana. The measure now heads to the full Senate and is among several proposals lawmakers are taking up after voters in November approved marijuana use for certain medical conditions. The commission is set to begin accepting license applications for dispensaries and cultivation facilities by July 1st. The Alabama Court of Civil Appeals is overturning a decision by a judge who let the state seize the car of a man whose adult son was accused of transporting marijuana. A decision released Friday says a Shelby County judge approved the seizure of a 1990 Chevrolet after Nathaniel Wallace III was arrested on marijuana charges in 2014. Police say he had used the car to haul and sell marijuana, but the man's father, Nathaniel Wallace Jr., appealed, arguing that the car was actually his and he didn't know what his son was doing. The father says he often lent his car to his daughter and son. The appeals court agreed, saying the judge was wrong to let the state seize the car. This has been your Cannabis News for Friday, February 10th, 2017. I'm Russ Belville. In the interest of fair and balanced journalism, the Russ Belville Show presents the anti-drug public service announcement of the day. Yeah. Can't beat me, man. Yo, Quincy. What's up, man? Why don't you bring out that weed, man? It's gone. What? If you know your kid has been smoking pot, find a way to take action. Get tough, get creative, just get through. This has been the Russ Belleville Show's anti-drug public service announcement of the day. Exclusively on RadicalRust.com. When you are starting up a medical cannabis business, you want a fired-up lawyer who understands the needs of cannabis consumers. The law office of Lauren Vasquez is your fired-up lawyer for the cannabis industry. Visit her website, fireduplawyer.com, or call 1-855-MMJ-LAWS for more information. That's 855-665-5297 for Lauren Vasquez, your fired-up lawyer, or email fireduplawyer at gmail.com. 
You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show. Criminalizing marijuana is costing us a fortune. You can find Radical Russ online everywhere. Hey, this is Willie Nelson for Normal. I smoke pot and I like it a lot. I learned a long time ago that marijuana is a lot safer than alcohol. There's nothing wrong with the responsible use of marijuana by adults. It's time we stopped arresting and started respecting those who smoke marijuana responsibly. To learn what you can do to help, contact Normal at NORML.org or call toll-free 888-67-NORML. The world of cannabis is evolving at a frenetic pace. The Russ Belleville Show gets behind the headlines to take a deeper look at breaking news in our Cannabis Focus. Today in the Cannabis Focus, we take a look at marijuana and the workplace. This is something that's coming up every time we pass marijuana legalization. And now that four more states have joined us in the group of legal marijuana states, especially California, people have a lot of questions as to what this means for the so-called drug-free workplaces. Now, just because the possession laws have changed in your state, whether that be Massachusetts, Maine, Nevada, or California, does not necessarily mean any sort of relief when it comes to workplace drug testing. It does not create any new rules regarding that. Uh, Specifically within uh, these laws, they say it does not uh, affect the employer's ability to maintain a drug-free workplace. Uh, The... Law on this has already been settled when it comes to medical marijuana throughout the states. In California, the case was the 2008 Ross versus Raging Wire case. Uh, This was a guy named Gary Ross. He was an employee of this company called Raging Wire, and he was a medical marijuana patient. He was fired following a positive drug test and then filed an anti-discrimination lawsuit against Raging Wire. The courts ruled in the company's favor because federal law trumps state law. And since federal law classifies marijuana as an illegal drug, the workplaces in California are perfectly valid in firing or not hiring or discriminating against medical cannabis patients. So if patients don't have the right to be able to use marijuana in the workplace, you can guarantee that the chances of getting that uh, right for those of us who are marijuana consumers for our own personal reasons is going to be a whole lot more difficult. We've gotten similar decisions in the rest of uh, the major medical marijuana states. In Oregon, we had our decision, which was the uh, Emerald Steel decision. In Washington State, they had a similar decision. In Michigan, there was a decision like this that involved a Walmart employee uh, named Cassius, who was uh, quadriplegic, and uh, he was denied his workplace uh, rights because of his medical cannabis use. Uh, a similar case in Colorado where a young man worked for DirecTV. Uh, I'm sorry, that was the guy who was the quadriplegic. The Casias case, I think, uh, was a chronic pain case, if I'm remembering correctly. But in Colorado, a young man named Brandon Coates, a quadriplegic who had worked at a call center, uh, was denied his workplace rights because of his marijuana use. And the Colorado case is even more troubling in that medical marijuana at the time of that case was a constitutional right or still is a constitutional right in the state of Colorado. And on top of that, Colorado has a statute called the Lawful Off-Duties Activities Statute. And what this says is that 
a workplace in the state of Colorado cannot discriminate against someone for engaging in acti- activities outside work hours that are perfectly legal. That is, if you want to uh, go to a demonstration, you want to join a club, uh, you uh, want to drink, you want to smoke cigarettes, you cannot be discriminated against in the state of Colorado when it comes to getting hired, getting fired, getting promotions, anything like that because of what you do off hours. So you'd think that Colorado having legal medical marijuana and now legal marijuana, both under their state constitution, would come under lawful off-duty activities. Unfortunately, that case has been decided too. A case went all the way to the Colorado Supreme Court, which decided that in the when it comes to lawful off-duty activities, federal law trumps state law once again. And since breaking federal law runs afoul of an off-duty activity that's illegal, employers in Colorado can still discriminate against people in the state of Colorado who are cannabis consumers or cannabis patients. We are working diligently to try to change this situation. Here in the state of Oregon, folks behind Portland Normal and their legislative committee have proposed a bill, and there's another bill, I believe, proposed by Sam Chapman at uh, New Economy Consulting. And these bills would add to the state of Oregon's current law when it comes to discrimination against tobacco smokers. The state of Oregon already has on the books a law that says if you're a cigarette smoker, we can't discriminate against you when it comes to hiring and firing. That's that's legal. It may not be a smart health decision, but it's a perfectly legal decision, and you cannot lose your job or be discriminated against because you smoke cigarettes. Well, it only makes logical sense to append cannabis onto that act, and that's what both of those bills will attempt to do. I believe the difference between the two of the bills has to do with opt-in versus opt-out, whether or not... It's automatically a right, but certain cities have to opt out. Or if it's not a right and your city has to opt in, I think that's the difference. And I forget which one is which. Uh, another consideration as to whether or not there are collective bargaining agreements already in place that mandate some sort of drug testing and discrimination against cannabis consumers. That will be exempted. And I believe any sort of federal requirements, when we're talking about Department of Transportation or any of those federally sens- safety-sensitive positions, would still be exempted under this proposed Oregon law. But this is the direction that the uh, laws need to take because we are currently being discriminated against in this country thanks to our use of cannabis in a way that people who drink alcohol or smoke cigarettes or take any manner of prescription drugs are not discriminated against. And most people will take this fight, take this argument to the medical marijuana side as to how cruel it is to deny a patient, someone who may already be on disability, someone who we want to get back into the workplace, that it's terrible to discriminate against them. But as far as I'm concerned, it's equally bad to discriminate against healthy people and perhaps even worse to discriminate against healthy people for their use of marijuana. This is a culture that has accepted the uh, three martini lunch in the office for many, many years. Uh, and while it has declined over the past couple of decades from previous madmen type levels, we still live in a culture that is perfectly accepting of someone having a beer at lunch or going to the company Christmas party and getting very, very drunk. It's time to grow up in the workplace and it's time to understand that the idea that there's such a thing as a drug-free workplace is a myth. It has never existed. 
The workplace has always had people on drugs, whether that's antihistamines or cough suppressants or aspirin or acetaminophen and naproxen, any sort of painkiller, all sorts of mood-altering drugs, things like uh, 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 the uh, uh, Prozac and, and well, Butrin and, and Levitra and other sorts of drugs to change people's minds and moods. These are handed out by our doctors for just about anyone who asks. And I have yet to work in a place that didn't have a receptionist desk or a, a nurse or somebody from whom you could get all sorts of cold medications, cough suppressants, aspirins, so forth. Combine that, the prescription drugs, and all the people that are the smokers and drinkers in the workplace, and you'd be hard-pressed to find any workplace that is truly drug-free. And the excuses for this don't hold up. Many employers will say that they have to drug test because of the Federal Drug-Free Workplaces Act. What they fail to tell you is that those acts that have to do with the workplace primarily affect federally controlled jobs, especially in Department of Transportation, the military, or anything with sensitivity of, to security, high, high security clearances, safety, and so forth. The Drug-Free Workplace Act does not mandate that private employers must drug test. Let me repeat that. The Drug-Free Workplace Act does not mandate that it, private employers must drug test. It says you must have a drug-free work a, a plan, a program. You must have a drug-free workplace program in place. You must tell your employees what that program is. You must have options for them as far as getting help for substance abuse. But nowhere in that act does it mandate a private employer requires drug testing. So that excuse goes out the window. Another excuse they give you is that they get a benefit on their insurance. Oh, we, we have to do it for the insurance break. Well, I'm, I'm sorry, bribing companies through insurance breaks to mistreat their employees and to abrogate their Fourth and Fifth Amendment rights is hardly a bargain. And we should be boycotting these companies that do so. And when it comes to these excuses about workplace productivity or absenteeism or healthcare costs, all of these are shot out of the water when you consider workplace tobacco smoking. I can't tell you how many places I've worked where there's a number of employees who every two hours take 15 to 20 minutes off of work to go gather under some shelter outside to get their nicotine fix. A full hour of the workday, at least, is taken away by these nicotine addicts trying to get their fix. So I'm not convinced that the pot smoker is a productivity problem. Also, when you consider that workplace productivity, if you check the Bureau of Justice Statistics, you will, or Bureau of Labor Statistics, you will find that workplace productivity per hour has done nothing but go up and up and up since the 1980s. Even as marijuana smoking has gone down in the 80s, up in the 90s, and leveled off in the 2000s. That is to say, despite great changes in cannabis use among the people, we do not see a corresponding change in the gross domestic product, in our workplace productivity. These are all lies. They're easily debunked and dismissed. So as we move forward in the era of legalization, we need to be pushing hard on the idea that we deserve equal rights in the workplace. It's not that we want to treat marijuana like alcohol. We want to treat marijuana users like alcohol drinkers. The substances don't care how you treat them. 
The people who use those substances care how you treat them. And that's the important point that we've got to get across. Fighting for our rights. All right, folks, that sound means that it's 20 after the hour time for us to take our mandatory union safety briefing. Hey, how do you like the stereo sound? When I move like this, you can hear me go stereo, baby. Isn't that fantastic? <laughs> Be right back right after this with Creed Leffler, a fantastic activist out of Virginia. Hey everybody, it's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio, inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me, it'll feel awesome. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show. And it's the first time in two years, or not first time in a year and a half, that I had a decent night's sleep because the arthritis pain was gone. You can find Radical Russ online everywhere. First, 2015, adult marijuana prohibition came to an end in Oregon. Immediately, over 400,000 adults who consume cannabis responsibly were no longer criminals. This is what freedom sounds like. Brought to you by Portland Normal. with ACT. The Rush Belleville Show features the stories of hardworking grassroots activists working for an end to prohibition in today's activist agenda. Today in the activist agenda, we take a look back at the Virginia Cannabis Conference that took place the last weekend of January. I made my way to Richmond, Virginia and spoke at the event, as well as John Hudak from Brookings and Kevin Mahmalji from National Normal. But I was most uh, joyous in meeting this next uh, guest, an activist who uh, was there both days uh, in his powered wheelchair. His name is Creed Leffler, and he's a cerebral palsy patient in Virginia who's fighting hard to uh, get them to open up and allow for the medical use of marijuana that allows him to lead a decent life. And he's a, such a strong activist and, and such a strong soul. I, I had a joy talking to him. And here's my interview with Creed Leffler. 
from the floor of the conference. Joined here by a very dedicated activist, man by the name of Creed Leffler. Creed, say hi to everybody. Hi, everyone. Love you all. Creed is uh, uh, sitting here in his chair, and I, he was sitting next to me at the event and brought in this sign uh, that was all about uh, you know, ending the Schedule 1 designation of cannabis because he uses cannabis to, uh, to, is cerebral palsy. Is that right? Yes. Using cannabis to treat his cerebral palsy, and so he has a petition to tell us all about. This is on change.org, is it? Yes, it is on change. Or no, move on. Move on. Move on. Sorry, guys. That's okay. So uh, you can find Creed's uh, petition there at moveon.org. Creed and then Leffler is L-E-F-F-L-E-R. They can find it that way, can't they? It's hard to find. So it would be easier if you could post a link on your Twitter. That's what I'll do. You just follow me on Radical Russ, uh, and I'll post the link on Twitter so that you can sign the petition. I already signed it earlier today, uh, and uh, we'll get many, 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 many more signatures, I'm sure. If, you, if you're not cool with the Twitter or whatever, just send me an email, radicalrust at gmail.com. So, uh, Creed, how long have you been doing the petition and, and activism? Since May. Since May? Yes. A lot, of, a lot of response? Yes. Some good. Most good. Yeah, yeah. And you were showing me some pictures of uh, the, the van wrap you're trying to put together. Is that part of your, your I, crusade? I did put a van wrap together. And I'm super excited about it. Yeah, yeah, it looks great. So uh, have you gone to the uh, uh, Virginia Assembly a lot to talk to those legislators? No, because I've just been doing it. By way. Yeah, yeah. Are you going tomorrow? Yes. So this will be your first time tomorrow? No, my first time, my first time for this. Well, that's great because, uh, you know, I can go and tell people all about medical marijuana until the cows come home. And, you know, what do I know? You can tell them firsthand your story and show them how it actually helps you. Yeah. And I believe we have... 2016 signatures. But I haven't looked in the count in a while. You know how many you're trying to get? Um, as many as humanly possible. (laughs) All of them. Well, I'm so glad that you're doing this and standing up for people's rights because, you know, for everyone that's like you, there's 10 more that are too afraid to stand up for it and, and, and don't want to put the effort out. So thank you for what you're doing. And one of my um, contributing factors is actually Miss Charlotte Piki. Yes, little Charlotte. Yes. And I'd like to put a shout out to the Stanley Brothers and the great work that they do. Please get in contact with me. I would love to work with you. All right, Stan- on a level. Stanley Brothers, you heard it here first. Uh, Creed Leffler is ready to help. He's ready to work with you guys. And I might be able to get you in touch with those guys. So just email me and I'll see what I can do. Okay, thank you.
So visit moveon.org, sign Creed's petition. Let's get cannabis out of Schedule 1 so they can study it. We can get the full medical benefits that everyone deserves. Love you, Radical Red. I love you too, Creed, man. Take it easy, bro. That's Creed Leffler from the state of Virginia, a great activist, uh, definitely an inspiration. Uh, you can go to moveon.org and just look for Creed Leffler, uh, C-R-E-E-D, his last name, Leffler, L-E-F-F-L-E-R. And you can sign on that petition, help him out, get marijuana moved, out of Schedule 1, get some more research done on this, help people out. All right, when we come back, we've got a very, very special Greatest Hits album offer for you, exclusively, exclusively for listeners <laughs> of the Russ Bell Show. Stay tuned. We're back right after this. This is the Russ Bellville Show on CannabisRadio.com. When you are starting up a medical cannabis business, you want a fired-up lawyer who understands the needs of cannabis consumers. The Law Office of Lauren Vasquez is your fired-up lawyer for the cannabis industry. Visit her website, fireduplawyer.com, or call 1-855-MMJ-LAWS for more information. That's 855-665-5297 for Lauren Vasquez, your fired-up lawyer, or email fireduplawyer at gmail.com. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show. Enough is enough. Let's try a new way. Let's try a new policy. You can find Radical Russ online everywhere. Warning. It's taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals. Or at least they pay me to say that. Cool. <laughs> A public service message from the Rust Belleville Show. Remember the 80s? Rubik's Cubes and checkered fans? New Wave and hair metal? Do you remember President Ronald Reagan saying, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Well, now that we're building our own wall, it's time to grab those skinny ties out of the back of your closet, because the 80s are back, baby! Hi there, I'm Radical Russ Belville from Rusco Records, and if you're into smoking grass, then we've got the 80s-style drug war rhetoric in a new party album you've just got to have! Oh, gnarly! You know, as a pot smoker myself, I grew up with some of the most tubular drug war rhetoric ever recorded! Our generation knew some of the greatest artists in prohibition propaganda ever! Think of Bill Snake Eyes Bennett, Robert Piss Test Prophets DuPont, and of course the great John Marijuana Unicorns Walters. Finding somebody in jail or prison possession of marijuana is like finding a unicorn. But while our generation got to hear the Reefer Madness classics steeped in the lyrical traditions of Harry J. Anslinger, kids today have missed out. An entire generation has grown up with medical marijuana. And a president who said... I inhaled uh, frequently. That was, that was the point. And... 
I spent the last two years of high school in a daze. Ha! What a bummer! <laughs> now, Rusco Records brings you the greatest hits of the Just Say No decade in our latest release, Reefer Madness's Greatest Hits, The Attorney General Sessions, as performed by the hottest up-and-coming artist in Prohibition, now Attorney General Jefferson Beauregard Sessions III, better known by his hip-hop name, MC Jeffbo! <laughs> That's right, check out these 15 totally rad tracks, dudes and dudettes. You'll love the classic sound that brings back the worst fear-mongering about cannabis with hits like, It's Not Your Father's Woodstock Weed. Marijuana is, is stronger today, several times stronger than the marijuana of the 1960s, and it does impact people adversely. You'll never forget the unforgettable marijuana addicts, including his smashing duet with Lady Gaga. Lady Gaga said she's addicted to it and is not harmless. And of course, one of my all-time favorites, Dane Bramage. <laughs> or this report from Northwestern University in December, last December. Study found that marijuana users have abnormal brain structure and poor memory, and that chronic marijuana use may lead to brain changes, resembling schizophrenia. And you'll flip out for his MC Jeff Bo performance of the Nixon era Reefer Madness classic, The Gateway Theory. They go on to more serious drugs, which tends to happen. You can deny it if you want to, but it tends to happen. Uh, there'll be even greater causes. And it's false that marijuana doesn't. And don't forget his cover of the Nancy Reagan classic, Just Say No. I know it, it seems like such a simple message, Just Say No, but it's an important one. A great accomplishment. We, we moved this country from 50% of high school seniors using a uh, a drug, marijuana or other drug, to less than half that. Nancy Reagan, the early 1980s, formed the Just Say No program, and, and they worked and worked and crafted policies that would create a climate of hostility for the use of dangerous drugs. And, of course, don't forget the follow-up smash hit, Don't Say Yes! <laughs> What I've been worried about for some time and have warned about it is that if you don't maintain that but start going in the other direction, you can expect drug use to increase. It's just that simple. And it is happening. These are the kind of things that we're going to see throughout the country, and you'll see cocaine and heroin uh, increase more than it would have, I think, had we not talked about it. Isn't it awesome? Not only do you get MC Jeff Bo's Reagan-era views on marijuana, this album also brings back the totally bitchin' tough-on-crime sound that defined the decade. You'll get the hard-hitting Death Penalty for Weed Dealers, recorded with DJ Easy Pat Leahy. Yeah, you've been some very strong views. You even mandated the death penalty for anyone convicted of a second drug trafficking offense, including marijuana, even though uh, mandatory death penalties are, of course, unconstitutional. Well, I'm not 
sure under what circumstances I said that, but uh, I don't think that sounds like something I would normally say. We're glad to look at it. Would, but, you, uh, would you say that's not your view today? It is not my view today. Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> and then there's the incredible artistry of defending the police seizure of cash and property from people yet to be convicted of crimes in MC Jeffbo's Asset Forfeiture Rhapsody. <laughs> On December 21st, 2015, the Department of Justice chose to stop all equitable sharing payments to state and local and tribal partners under the asset forfeiture program. There's evidence in addition, virtually every time, to prove it's connected to drugs. Lots of times, half the time, they don't even show up to contest the, the seizure because they know they have no defense to it. And you'll never forget where you were the first time you heard the inspiring, sweet, mandatory minimums. <laughs> Attorney General Holder, the Attorney General of the United States, ordered federal prosecutors not to charge certain drug offenders with offenses that carry mandatory minimum penalties that are in law. The six-month average of drug Oh, yeah, and you'll even get the boss 80s attitude toward medical marijuana in the ballad, I Can't Commit to Not Arresting Patients, also with DJ Easy Pat Leahy. Would you use our federal resources to investigate and prosecute sick people who are using marijuana in accordance with their state laws, even though it might violate federal law? Well, I won't commit to never enforcing federal law. And for the hardiest listeners, MC Jeffbo brings out the big guns for the chilling, apocalyptic death metal track, What If the 60s Come Back? What if this is the beginning of another surge in drug use like we saw uh, in the 60s and 70s that led to massive problems in our community? It's just tragic to me that we're making the same mistakes we made in the 60s and 70s. That's right, and MC Jeff Bow also has a totally 80s message for the neo-maxi-zoomed Dweeby ex-president in the track Presidential Bad Example. The president should never have said smoking marijuana. I was like smoking cigarettes. Oh, I wish I hadn't done it. That's the kind of message that people hear. You got to have leadership from Washington. You can't have the president of the United States of America talking about marijuana like it's no different than taking a drink. I used marijuana when I was in high school. It's no different than smoking. It is different as well as the totally grody FBI director in the rollicking Marijuana's Not Funny. I was very disappointed in the Wall Street Journal article May 20th in which you uh, seem to make light of marijuana use by those who'd like to work for the FBI. Do you understand that that could be interpreted as one more example of leadership in America dismissing the seriousness of marijuana use that could uh, undermine uh, our ability to convince young people not to uh, go down a dangerous path. And we wind up this great set of 80s Reefer Madness hits with MC Jeff Bo's biggest chart toppers, including the seminal track, Leadership from the Top. 
I just think it's a huge issue. I hope that you will talk with the president. You're close to him. And uh, begin to push back or pull back from this position I think is going to be adverse health of America. And I hope that you will cease to be silent. Because if if the law enforcement officers don't do this, uh, I don't know who will. And in the past, uh, uh, attorneys generals and other government officials have spoken out. And I think they kept bad decisions from being made. I believe um, Department of Justice needs to be clear. I believe the president really needs to reassert some leadership on this. I think it's really serious. And what collection of MC Jeffbo's greatest hits would be complete without the all-time number one hit, Good People Don't Smoke Marijuana! This drug is dangerous. You cannot play with it. It's not funny. It's not something to laugh about. And, and trying to send that message with clarity that good people don't smoke marijuana. That's right. It's all the greatest hits from the decade that brought you crack babies, mandatory minimum sentencing, the D.A.R.E. program, McGruff the crime dog, and Nancy Reagan showing up on sitcoms to tell us all to just say no. Performed by a former attorney general for the state of Alabama who was deemed too racist for the federal bench in 1986. You dick. Thanks to this special electoral offer, you get to enjoy these 15 reefer madness hits from the 1980s for the next four years at least. But that's not all. Order now and you can get a Secretary of Energy who got a D in a class called Meats. A Secretary of Education who's never been to a public school and thinks they need guns for grizzly bear defense. A Secretary of Health and Human Services who hates medical marijuana. A Secretary of Treasury who profited from the economy's collapse. And a Secretary of State who's a fossil fuel multimillionaire. Order within the next 15 minutes and we'll throw in a clueless president from the entertainment industry and a vice president who hates gay people to give you the complete 80s experience. And the crime and the gangs and the drugs. This American carnage stops right now. Offer not valid in Canada, eh? Thanks for tuning in and make sure you get Reefer Madness Greatest Hits, the Attorney General Sessions, today! Wow, man, we gotta... We gotta start taking a look at who we're getting for advertisers on this network here. <laughs> that guy needs to lay off the rock star. All right, we're gonna take a break, and uh, when we come back, we'll have time for the radical rant. We're gonna go off on these latest executive orders from President Trumple Thinskin. Back right after this. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. New beginner guitars and banjos are often constructed much better than ones built before your time. Why struggle? Get a new instrument or fix the old one. The trusted professionals at the Fingerboard Extension will evaluate your instrument for free. 
Repairs are priced for people who work for a living. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show. Marijuana is probably the most dangerous drug. Okay, well, maybe you're high, too. This is Radical Russ Belleville with a word about giving back. We're all very excited about the recent gains in marijuana reform. But while you may love the convenience of shopping for marijuana at a storefront or are lucky enough to be profiting from the green rush, it's important that you remember that you wouldn't be where you are today without the sacrifices of cannabis freedom fighters who risked everything when zero states had marijuana legalization. Join, support, and donate to your local and national drug reform organizations, including the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws, NORML, at normal.org. Students for Sensible Drug Policy at ssdp.org. Marijuana Policy Project at mpp.org. Americans for Safe Access at safeaccessnow.org. Drug Policy Alliance at drugpolicy.org. And Law Enforcement Action Partnership at leap.cc. This has been a public service announcement from the Russ Belleville Show. Total war against public enemies, number one. Ten federal criminal penalties for up to one ounce of marijuana. Marijuana is probably the most dangerous drug. Legalization is just another word for surrender. I experimented with marijuana and didn't inhale. This is not medicine. This is a cheat and charm show. Encourage people to use less drugs. I am ill. That was that was the point. I think we'd be a mistake to legalize. Negative reports coming out of Colorado. Don't smoke marijuana. All right, welcome back, everybody. And today in the rant, I want to talk about uh, the president and his signing of some executive orders. They just uh, reported in the New York Times that uh, Jeff Sessions, Jeff Bo, <laughs> has been sworn in as attorney general. This happened at the Oval Office uh, ceremony earlier today. And was this today or last night? Um, February 9th, yesterday. So it happened yesterday. Uh, Trump signed three new executive orders while uh, Sessions was there for the sign, uh, for the uh, uh, swearing in. And the orders he announced are to, quote, restore safety in America, break the back of the cartels, and stop, as of today, violence against the police. And uh, he got praise from Representative Robert Goodlatte of Virginia. He's the Republican chairman of the House Judiciary Committee. In a statement, he said, quote, I applaud President Trump for taking action to improve the security of our communities. President Trump's executive orders are a good first step toward restoring law and order. And I just wonder, in which company, in which country are these people living? Where is this country where... We're overcome by lawlessness and disorder. I don't see that country. In fact, when I take a look at the statistics, I find that we live in a country that it's safer than ever. President Trump keeps going off about this murder rate. Supposedly the murder rate's through the roof. The homicide rate is lower than it's ever been. It continues to decline. There was a slight uptick in the last year, but nothing statistically alarming. We are so much safer now than we were in the 1990s. It's not even the same country anymore. 
And we see this across the board with all sorts of crime, with robbery, with arson, with everything, assaults, everything has gone down. We've become a safer country. No, what I think is going on here is is found in that part where he says we need to stop, as of today, violence against the police. What's happened over the past at least four years has been an awakening by Americans to understand that our law enforcement is not on our side. We've come to understand that the law enforcement is there to enforce a type of class segregation in this country. And it's there to protect corporate profits in this country. And the very last thing it's there for is to protect and serve or to rehabilitate anybody. And this has been known for a long time in minority communities. It's only over the past four or five years that the rest of America has started to get this. And the number one reason why is the proliferation of the cell phone camera. This stuff's been going on for decades, people, but there was never any video proof of it. That Rodney King tape woke everyone up in the uh, early 1990s, but it was so rare, it was such a new thing to have seen police brutality like that on video, undeniable. That was, I remember when that happened and how people back then were just shocked. At least white people were shocked. (laughs) But now, You don't have to have the big bulky VHS camera at the ready to be able to tape what might happen. Everybody's carrying a camera around with them. And this has led to us seeing some horrific video of police executing unarmed citizens. This, of course, led to the Black Lives Matter movement, to protests in Ferguson and Baltimore and throughout the country, and a continued push from the last administration to reduce the effects of mass incarceration, to deal with the issue of mandatory minimum sentencing, to back off on the punitive war on drugs that disproportionately affects minority communities. And to the perception of the Trump voter, to the perception of that so-called silent majority in middle America, that very homogenous group there, in their perception, crime and lawlessness have gone crazy because... They see all these mostly black and Latino people marching, angry, and and they see tear gas, and they see riot police coming out, and they feel like the order they live within is falling apart. They feel like they don't understand what's happening around them anymore. And Trump, to his cynical credit, has has nurtured that and has fed off that. He's built an entire winning campaign off of the fears and perceptions of those people. And this is why I get frustrated sometimes when uh, those of us on the progressive side of the ledger, whether we're, you know, progressive libertarian types or progressive liberal types, it's so difficult to get across sometimes that the facts don't matter. That's, I think that's one area where our side fails and that is trying to fight the battles as if fact, science, reason, and logic mattered. If that were the case, Trump wouldn't be president right now. People vote and people react to public policy uh, uh, proposals emotionally and with feeling and what they perceive to be real. So for those 
middle Americans, those alt-right types or the people that lean that direction, to see the empowerment of gay people, the empowerment of transgender people, the empowerment of minorities and immigrants and Muslims, and to see them being accepted and tolerated scares the living hell out of them. And so Trump's going to jump into the rescue to restore safety to America. There's not, there's not a safety that needs to be restored in America. We haven't had a major uh, uh, terrorist attack uh, since 9-11. We've had a few of these shootings. Of course, they want to back off on what the cause of those are because you notice that the uh, Trump administration has directed their counterterrorism and extremism people to focus only on Muslim extremism. No more focus on white nationalist groups, which we could point to as having more of a terrorist effect in this country. But I digress. President Trump's going to jump in and stop, as of today, the violence against the police. And of course, we all were shocked. I was shocked to see what went down in Dallas where those cops were ambushed and shot. That's not the answer. That's not what we want to see. But to be surprised by that, to be shocked by that, after decade after decade after decade of institutionalized violence against the people by the police, I don't support it. But I understand it. And this is something that uh, is frightening about this whole scenario is that as the aggrieved populations react with violence, with rioting, with shooting of cops, that only feeds more fuel to the, the Trumps of the world, to these autocrats and demagogues of the world who want to paint this as a us versus them, a black versus white, a uh, liberal versus progressive sort of war. That's that's the the frightening side of this to me. And Trump is moving forward with this. You know, they're they're bringing back um, the the first uh, executive order is one that's supposed to uh, crack down on the international criminal cartels. If you've heard some of Trump's rhetoric over the past couple of days talking about the scourge of drugs and the drugs that are flowing over the border and we've got to control the border because all the drugs are poisoning our youth. Don't forget that that means pot. I, I talked about these stats yesterday where they've only seized a thousand or 2000 pounds of heroin or cocaine coming from uh, or heroin or meth coming from Mexico, 135,000 uh, pounds of, of cocaine and 4.3 million pounds of marijuana. When they talk about the drugs that are flowing over the border, the vast majority of those drugs are marijuana. So if you're thinking that there's some sort of marijuana exception to this drug war rhetoric you're hearing out of Attorney General uh, Sessions and out of President Trump, you got another thing coming. We are returning to the drug war of the 80s. A couple of the other uh, uh, executive orders, one's on reducing crime, the other one's on preventing violence against law enforcement officials. Now, this is something <clears throat> you've seen a few of these states that want to try to come up with these so-called Blue Lives Matter bills. Folks, we already establish that Blue Lives Matter. In every state I can think of, and I don't know that there's any exceptions, it is a far greater crime to kill a law enforcement officer or assault a law enforcement officer than it is to assault a civilian or kill a civilian. In fact, blue lives matter so much, those blue lives can be dogs. You can get the same sort of punishment for assaulting a police dog. You can get a far worse punishment for assaulting a police dog than another human being who's not a police officer. So we already know the blue lives matter. They've already got that special protection. These executive orders and these new laws and bills designed to further 
exalt our police officers above everyone else's life are redundant and unnecessary. We've got this notion that cops are under attack because of these scurrilous and heinous attacks that have happened. We had the, the, the cops in uh, uh, Vegas that were gunned down. We had the ones in Brooklyn that were uh, attacked. We had uh, uh, the Dallas thing that we just recently mentioned. All of those terrible, terrible events. But if you check out the FBI's stats, Leoka is the name of this stat. It's the law enforcement officers killed or assaulted. L-E-O-K-A. Google that. Leoka will tell you it's never been a safer time to be a police officer. In fact, police officer doesn't even rank in the top 10 of the most dangerous jobs out there. Commercial fisherman, logger, these jobs are construction, far more dangerous than the police officer job. We're always told to, uh, we're always given this idea that we're supposed to have this utmost respect for the cops because, boy, they... They go out that morning and they don't know if they'll be coming back. Well, statistically speaking, they're pretty likely to be coming back compared to other jobs out there. They're like number 15 or 16 in the ranks of the most dangerous jobs. So Trump and his administration are going to continue to fan the flames of this idea that we live in this crazy crime-ridden America, uh, that police officers are under attack, that we're living in anarchy and disorder, and that's going to become the justification for all sorts of crackdowns on free speech, on free assembly, hell, maybe even martial law. I'm telling you, folks, I'm a student of history, and I feel we are getting into that 1968 territory in American history, the, the year of my birth when there were riots, when there were uh, the uh, Chicago Convention uh, protests, when there was the assassination of MLK and RFK, and and, and all of the, the, the riots and unrest and protest, uh, we are headed to that level of unrest in America, of that level of division in America. And we are only three weeks into Trump's administration. It's going to get a hell of a lot worse before it gets better. And it's going to be very important for us in the marijuana movement to understand that we are now playing defense. We can no longer afford to have our little internecine battles between ourselves over medical or CBD or decrim or legalization or spiritual or or what or hemp or whatever the, the group you might be in. We're all together now. We're all the attacked minority now. It's time for us to band together and fight to hold on to every reform that we've made so far. It's going to be a tough battle, but we'll do it together. And I'll give you as many of, as, of the resources as I can to make that possible. That sound, though, means that we're done with hour one. Time flies when you legalize. If you live listeners, stay tuned for hour two coming up next here. We're going to uh, take you out to Massachusetts where a TV station caught video of an elusive pot squatch. That's right, pot squatch. Also coming up in hour two, uh, we'll get the Colorado industry reactions to Jeff Sessions and a look at New York's medical marijuana program, plus an international look at countries that start with the letter I. For everyone here at Delta 9 Studios, I'm Radical Russ Belville. Thanks for joining us, and until next time, take care of each other, tokers! This is the Russ Belville Show.
The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seat, you plan it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seat, you plan it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seat, you plan it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it.